the cloud, faster payments, customer experience. Those are buzzwords, aren't they? How do we move beyond the buzzwords, the staticky buzzwords, you might say, to the real truth about payments, where the progress is being made and where there is still lots of road to run? Today on Bankadelic, we'll be talking with Chris Shepro-Stein of Xformative to get the skinny on the fast world of payments. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. Lou Carloso, your host, whether you like it or not. Here we are, back for another week. Boy, I'm very delighted to have this guest. It took us a while to get her, Chris Shepro-Stein. And Chris is the Chief of Staff and Head of Operations at Exformative. That's a cloud-native card issuer and payments processor and part of MasterCard's award-winning StartPath program. As an issuer processor, Exformative enables money movement from one place to another for their customers. Now, at Exformative, Chris is responsible for planning and directing a variety of corporate administrative strategies strategic, and operational activities. She has more than 20 years of cross-functional business experience, including sales, communications, operations, finance, and administration in the biotech, healthcare, and payment spaces. Chris, welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you, Lou. I am super excited to be here today. I've been looking forward to this for the last few weeks. Excellent. Now, Chris, I need your help The podcast audience can't see this, but I can because we're on a video conferencing call. In your office, you have something, looks like a book. It says, what do you do with a problem? I do. So what do you do with a problem? Because I got lots of problems. Oh my gosh. I love that you can see that and that you mentioned that. And I have that sitting there with intention. So my staff and my family will all tell you that I, over the last couple of years, have really adopted this theory and taken it to heart that a problem is really an opportunity in disguise. And got there just through, you know, everybody has tough times in life, whatever, lots of problems, problems, problems. But especially in the last couple of years, it's really become obvious to me that a problem, if you turn it around and you really look at it, it is a opportunity to solve something, to fix something, to change something so that if you look at problems in that way, you are going to come out of that probably having learned something, solved something, fixed something. And I'm kind of a fixer solution person anyway. So it's really helped me get through a lot of stuff. And I really believe in it. One of the things that we've talked about a little bit off mic is this idea that the payments industry is full of buzzwords. Help me understand what you think some of those buzzwords and the concepts underneath them are that we have to overcome so that we can really help people. Yeah, it is like a lot of other industries that come up with their own jargon and buzzwords. But the one thing that I've really come to find out in the last few years that I've been involved in payments is just the term payments itself 
can mean so many different things to so many people. The payments ecosystem is so large and complicated and the growth in the various areas of it have been crazy over the past years. Your audience who might be in payments will recognize terms like acquirer and issuer and merchant and all these things. But to the person who just goes to buy something, they don't know what any of this stuff means. I think the payments industry is doing maybe a little better job with its messaging because a lot of the new fintechs and businesses that are coming out of payments over the last couple of years have had to become very consumer facing. You know, people want to get involved with payments via their apps on their phone or how they buy things or how they really live on a daily basis. I can think of very few things that I have to do on my phone or on my computer that don't involve some sort of financial transaction or payment. And they've made it much more consumer friendly over the last few years. FinTech itself, you know, financial technology, even that term has become thrown around so much. And so I think some of those buzzwords are important in the industry. But if you're not in the industry, you have to figure out a different way to message. 2020 rocked the financial services industry to the core. So here we are in 2021. It's going to be, I think, an incredible year for financial services. Technology has done so much to help consumers, and that brings us to payment processing. There is a lot going on. Help us make some sense of it and why it matters. Well, in payments, when we talk about payment processing or card processing, it can mean so many different things depending on your lens. For example, when you go out shopping and you buy something and you swipe your card or you enter your card number online, believe it or not, in like the two seconds that it takes for that to go through for you, there's like eight different steps that occur. And I know what I'm talking to my friends about what I do for a living. They instantly think that we sell the little boxes that you swipe your card through. And there are, like I say, eight different parts or pieces to processing. We happen to be on the side of processing where we put the cards in people's hands and then we either approve or decline what you're trying to buy. And that's important because a lot of the recent innovations have been on that side of the space. Probably the last 15 years, everybody has seen tons of apps and every single store has come out with their own app. And from a merchant side, buying things, that was innovative in the industry, I would say, over the last 15 years. And there were tons of new things that came out there. But how you bought those or beyond just having a credit card, different methods that you could use to purchase things had kind of been the same. And that's where we've seen a lot of innovation in the last couple of years. Products and services related to how to get money to people and then how to let those people spend that money. That's what I've been seeing a lot of, especially in 2020, because the pandemic made it so that I don't wanna go to the store and I don't wanna swipe my piece of plastic into some box. How can I do that? I can still buy things without doing it the way I used to. So contactless payments, waving your phone around, waving your card around, shopping more online and feeling safe doing that. Those are all things that have really come up, obviously, through the pandemic. And a lot of people are trying some of these technologies for the first time. I think I read that like 64% of people have tried contactless methods over 2020. That used to be really low. I mean, some of the wallets that were out there were sort of like, ugh, do we even keep doing this? People just really aren't adopting this technology. 
It's because they didn't really have to, but the pandemic really accelerated that connected consumer thing. And now everybody is on their phones and they get how to use a contactless payment because they've been forced to do that. So the pandemic has really accelerated innovation on that side of payments more than we thought would happen. To be honest, we thought it was maybe even going the opposite direction where people weren't really adopting those things. But we've seen that they have been doing so a lot it almost took a backdoor approach for it to happen. Maybe it did take a backdoor approach because contactless payments became popular when people had concerns about, oh, this cashier is handling my debit card. And that concern over hygiene with the pandemic led some merchants that I know in Chicago to post signs, please use contactless payments whenever possible. If you didn't know how to do that, you had to learn how to do that. Now in learning how to do that, there is that secondary benefit, which really is the primary benefit, right? That we know how to use this technology that we had no familiarity with before, and it's going to help us from now on, even once the pandemic is in the rearview mirror. You're 100% right. And what that caused were businesses, fintechs, and financial institutions who maybe saw this coming and wanted to get involved with it. It helped them accelerate their need to do it because the market was demanding it. Consumers were saying, no, I don't feel comfortable handling cash. I don't feel comfortable handling plastics. I don't want to touch anything. And it just accelerated it past the speed that we thought it was going at. It went much, much faster. It sure did. And yet for the speed that you and I are talking about, there's also some latency, some lagging. There are industries in the digital payment space that have some catching up to do. Let's talk a little bit about that. You are spot on. Most of the innovation in payments and fintechs came in the spaces of banking and lending or focusing on this reducing friction for consumers or changing ways consumers could spend money. But some markets and industries are finding it challenging to leverage these types of innovations. Mostly it's those really large traditional stalwart industries that have been around forever and have built their technology over decades. An example might be the healthcare industry. And they do have a lot of catching up to do to enter into this digital first era. And that is no small feat because those are very complex industries. They have insurance that they have to deal with, insurance claims and all the providers, patients. I mean, I could go on and on on the areas in something like healthcare that make embedding payments or any kind of new technology kind of difficult just because they've been doing things for so long a certain way. And also in some of those large industries, just the differences in management styles and culture. And those are barriers to integrating fintech into some of those traditional ways of doing business. They are definitely trying to change. Everyone's trying to change. But it's a bigger lift in some of those spaces than others. It really can't be chalked up at this point. We all have to move together on this. We've been talking with some companies that we feel really are going to disrupt, especially the healthcare space, but it's because they're new. They're building new and they are able to build with the technology. So we'll see how some of the traditional industries are able to leverage this. I mean, healthcare is ripe for integrating this type of technology into their systems. I mean, transparency is really being called for. People want to be able to pay easier, simplify everything. So we all know everybody wants to get there. It's just a heavy lift. Now, somewhere in the midst of all of this, 
We have the financial institutions, the banks. What do you see their relationship to payments and how can they be positive actors in this scenario? Yeah, the banks are still definitely the underlying foundation of payments in the United States. Challenger banks have seen a huge growth in the last couple of years. And challenger banks are these banks that have grown out of the Gen Z and millennial demographic that wants to be able to do everything online. Challenger banks came online trying to address some of the weaknesses that traditional banks had. And they offered low fees or early paydays or high savings yield rates. And they were great. It's awesome. And it is a very hot market. And so we've seen increases in fintechs that are developing the underlying banking functions and tool sets that those banks can use. But the thing about challenger banks, most of them, is that they don't have their own bank charter. They're not really a licensed bank per se. So they still need to have a relationship with a traditional chartered bank in order to issue cards to their consumers so that they can really use their entire banking platform and all the great things that they're offering with it. So several of the traditional chartered banks are very strategically jumping into this arena to serve the needs of challenger banks. And it's very much a partnership between the traditional banks and the challenger banks, where the challenger banks are trying to address the needs of the modern banking customer, but the traditional banks are still required to play a role, at least in the United States. Globally, some of the challenger banks and neobanks have a little bit more freedom to do what they want, but in the U.S., banking is highly regulated. So there's still a huge role, always will be a huge role for banks in payments. You know, if you look at your card in your wallet and you see all those numbers on your card, the first six to eight of those, a bank has to be involved to give those numbers to someone to make that card. And it still all starts with the banks. They have a huge role in banking. Banking by numbers, indeed. And as we get ready to ride off into the sunset here, I'm going to go back to the first question. What do you do with a problem? What do you see as one of the big challenges that you hope to tackle at Exformative in 2021? You know, it's funny. We have seen a lot of growth in people needing innovation in their product. And some of the legacy providers that are out in the world today have caused a bit of a problem in that area related to our problems. Again, they were just built a while ago and might not be able to offer everything that the modern business needs from integrating payments or product innovation perspective. So the problem that we're trying to solve and the opportunity that we're bringing is our cloud native platform And I could get into cloud native. I don't know how exciting that is to everybody or cloud in general, but we generally want to offer our platform modularity, our configurability, and our expertise in the space to help people bring their product visions to life and not feel limited by what might already exist. We have a couple clients that we have migrated off their previous providers to our cloud platform. And they have found that they've been able to add accounts more easily, configure their product more easily, add maybe multiple accounts for one person for various of program reasons or whatever their product vision was that they were unable to deliver previously. We have been able to help them deliver that. Not only have we done that, but we've done it faster. So what we're hoping to do is solve the problem of 
I can't get my product to market the way I want, or I can, but it's going to take me 12 to 18 months. We're hoping to say you can get it to market the way you want, and hopefully we can get it done for you in a much shorter time frame, and you'll be really happy with the outcome. And there you go. We've solved your problem. <laughs> so those are some of the problems that we're looking to solve over the next year or two. Fantastic. And on this podcast, Chris, you definitely helped solve the problem of crushing the jargon and reducing these buzzwords to understandable concepts, things people can relate to, things that matter. I am so grateful you made the time and I'm hoping we can do this again. Thanks for being on Bankadelic. Thank you very much. I hope to do it again with you too. Chris Shepro-Stein is Chief of Staff and Head of Operations at Exformative. She is based in Madison, Wisconsin. Go Badgers! You can look for Chris on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? BankerHire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. BankerHire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Hey, Willie, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't get any of this payment stuff, and on top of that, my mouth feels kind of dry and icky, and... Why don't you have a payment? A what? A payment. It's that little mint that freshens your breath, whitens your teeth, and helps you to comprehend what the heck an application program interface actually is. Here, have one. Okay. Wow! All of a sudden, I understand everything, and my mouth feels great. The Faster Payments Task Force, speed and swift codes, and all of that stuff, it's all coming to me. I can't believe it. Well, you can thank me later, Willie. How can I do that? Well, send me a payment. Yeah, okay, I'll get you a box of payments. No, I mean a payment. Yeah, I figured ten thousand dollars. Oh my god! I thought this was only gonna cost fifty After all, cents. Payments are refreshing graduate school level MBA oh, education in a box. Fraud. And sending me that money, you know this now, Willie, is as easy as one, two, three bullet points. Number one. 
a lot of the new fintechs and businesses that are coming out of payments over the last couple of years have had to become very consumer facing. You know, people want to get involved with payments via their apps on their phone or how they buy things or how they really live on a daily basis. Number two. So the pandemic has really accelerated innovation on that side of payments more than we thought would happen. To be honest, we thought it was maybe even going the opposite direction where people weren't really adopting those things. But we've seen that they have been doing so a lot. Number three. I mean, healthcare is ripe for integrating this type of technology into their systems. I mean, transparency is really being called for. People want to be able to pay easier, simplify everything. So we all know everybody wants to get there. It's just a heavy lift. And now, lose views. So, let's try something out. Sending my voice into a box with a 12AT7 vacuum tube, the signal will then go out into an API 3124 mic preamplification device set at approximately minus 10 dB and then into a digital audio interface, which, well, (laughs) if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I barely do. But what I just described is the process of my voice going through a mic and through all of the wires and technology that allow it to be recorded. Now... I know how to speak that language, but it would be really alienating to speak it around my friends who love podcasts and love music. And as Chris Shepard-Stein so well pointed out on the podcast today, we have to get past jargon. Remember that jargon creates distance. Nobody likes to hear jargon, and yet we use it within the financial services industry with impunity and assume that people know what we're talking about. They don't. API is a big term in banking. You may have noticed in my dialogue, I used API, but it means something totally different to me. It's the audio company, Audio Processes International. So when you use a term or an acronym, do you know what it means? I used to joke when I first got into banking that I thought KYC was KFC, some form of Kentucky Fried Chicken for regulators. (laughs) Shows what I knew. Anyway, you get the point. Jargon creates distance. Try to think of ways to get through all those thorny acronyms and buzzwords, lower the noise floor, and reach across the aisle to the customer, the coworker, the vendor, the person you want to build a relationship with. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.